0: Here we go with the latest SBL Shootaround. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Ettridge joins Chris Bright to bring you another men's SBL Shootaround. Hello and welcome to SBL Shootaround. We're right in the middle now of the West Coast Classic. So a couple of weeks ago, we were just hoping to get involved in basketball action once again. And all of a sudden, we're almost a third of the way through through the season, given, given how short of a season season it is. So there's plenty of news to talk about. There was some, some great action on the court for us to talk about from round two of, of the West Coast Classic. There was some terrible injury news, which unfortunately we will have to talk about as well. And as I'll let my co-host lets you know all, of, all about. We've got a very special guest this week that has been 12 shows in the making. This is this is the man who has been right at the top of our wish list since the very start here of SBR Shootaround. So very excited for everything that lies ahead on this week's show. I'm Chris Pike, but the, the man that you've all tuned in to hear from, the man who's starting to feel a little bit of pressure at his new club given that they're 0-3, and three, Ben Ettridge. Thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, the thing that you need to remember about pressure is that's what turns coal into diamonds. So <laughs> up the hill there, we're we're not too stressed. The boys are on a pretty massive learning curve, as are a lot of young guys around the league. And we've seen some really good things coming through. So yeah, I don't know if... Uh, I think Mark, Mark was probably sweating more... On a, on Sunday, coming home when he'd lost the bus keys, than, than what he is right now. So, um, but yeah, good to be back around basketball. Some really good results. Seeing some really good young guys get some some good performances over the weekend, and and results probably starting to go a little bit more the way we thought they would as well.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think the West Coast Classic Classic was ever going to be about wins and losses for a lot of the clubs. You have a look at you have a look at the top teams, and you have a look at a Lakeside Lightning, and they've got you know Michael vigor and Jay. Jay Bowe that they can build that team around with with the youngsters. You have a look at the Joodle Up Wolves and they've added Lachlan Cummings and Lee Roberts. They've still got Salinas, Iliadis, Huntington, Maxwell, plus some young kids and then you have a look at probably the Warwick Senators is the other one. They've still got Cody Ellis, Caleb Davis, Ash Littery, Corbin Rowe when he's when he's not, not injured, Wani, Swacker and they've got some really good experience there as well plus, plus the young kids like Ethan Elliott who we were talking about again on this show the 15 year old wonder kid but then you have a look at a club like yourself at Kalamunda you have a look at the Southwest Slammers you have a look at the Coburn Cougars and they've very much gone down the development path for this West Coast Classic and and you know the Goldfield Giants are another one the Geraldine Buccaneers will be forced to be another one now just because of manpower but the experience that all of these kids will get That they would have, if they were playing SBL, they would have never got to play any court time this this year, really. Or you know, right right at the, the end, they might get a get a junk minute or two. But right now, they're going to be playing 20, 30 minutes against some really solid, experienced players. And in seven weeks' time, a lot of these kids are going to be unbelievably better than they were at the start of this West Coast Classic, which I think is the most exciting aspect of it.
1: Most definitely, and that's, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing those teams that have been able to keep their core in the last few years together, um, and, and that sort of shortened pre-season, they're they're seeing the benefits. But then we're also seeing, um, you know, with a little bit of pressure lifted, a few of these uh, younger guys putting up some really good results and, and good numbers. And the other thing to remember, too, is how many of these guys are going to be on these clubs next year. You know, there's a few guys mm. that have jumped around, and I know, um, you know, Lee Roberts is normally not here at this time of year, or if he is, he's come back from a a European season or a South American season. He's, he's yep. not playing SBL. Uh, Lucky Cummings is, is in NZ NBL or NBL1. That's mm-hmm. where he's looking. So, you know, um, while teams have maybe snatched onto a few, a like Marshall Nelson, for example. Yeah. Um, he was going to be playing NBL1 again,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Is uh, Are those guys really adding to their club? Um, are they, are they providing, you know, other than a bit of experience and if they're the types of guys that like to impart knowledge and, and all that, um, or other is it, um, as you said, you know, they're, they're here, they're, they're getting a few reps up and down the court, but in the, in the long term, um, where is it going to leave, leave their clubs when, when these guys do move on after this little 10 week stint? So, but again, good to have basketball back and we're enjoying talking about it and going and watching it on the weekend.
0: Absolutely. Now, before we talk more about what's happening in the West Coast Classic, can you let our listeners know who we'll be speaking to on on this week's show? And can you tell us why this man was right at the top of your list when we started to put this show together?
1: Oh, look, the word goat gets thrown around in a lot of different leagues. And I think if anyone from those mid-80s through to the... Uh now, the mid 90s got to watch Jeff Anderson play and, and play his trade in the, in the district competition where he won two MVPs and then into the SBL where he, where he won another two MVPs. That was four. Four consecutive MVPs uh, across the league. Just the ultimate professional. He, he literally is the uh, the godfather of Willem Basketball Stadium. Mm. Um, just a, a great man, a great player, great coach. Just a, an all round you know brilliant brilliant person. And really really excited. You know Jeff was essentially the first superstar that I got to ever be around. And as a sixteen year old kid walking into the stadium with your mates, and you know Jeff Jeff would be in there sitting up in his office watching over what you were doing, and you kind of felt like you, know, you were you were playing in front of him. If, even though know, mm. he probably wasn't even looking up from his computer screen at what you were doing, you, you sort of felt that presence and every time I've walked into that stadium it sort of had that that impact on me that was lucky enough to watch Jeff play, was lucky enough to play for Jeff and I was uh, honoured to actually play against him and, and be given an opportunity yeah. to, to go up against him so really excited, really glad we've we've got him online um, and that he's going to be, be a part of it because I think like we've seen with a, a lot of the guys that have come on and, and told their story, it's I'm sure it's going to be an amazing story and hopefully it brings back the the memories and that for a lot of other people that have those those similar experiences with him uh, down at Williton Basketball Stadium.
0: If that doesn't have you looking forward to us talking to him, then I don't know what possibly would. Just one thing quickly. What's it like looking up to somebody as your hero and then sharing a basketball court with him only a couple of years later? What What's that experience like?
1: Oh, look, that's been my my career all along. And I've said, you know, one of my top five players of all time is, is Michael I was my high school phys ed teacher and basketball coach and then got to play alongside him and you know watching these guys and growing up um, i think that's kind of what we've spoken about in the past as well with you know guys like ryan gardner and and cj is that the young guys were down at the stadiums they were watching they were they were sitting in the front of the front row of the stands watching their their heroes run up and down and and it is quite tangible to be in two years time beyond the same court as them so um, it's hard not to be overawed and you know I know I know myself at, at practice there was a lot of times when you know you'd really really feel that pressure that you, you'd let him down or that you know he was getting geared up for a game and you know he'd see someone like me in front of him and he'd you know, literally scored 10 baskets in a row at practice because like <laughs> you weren't even there so you know and not not in a de- demonstrative way it's just no, that sure. was Jeff getting ready to play he would just yeah. that's how good he was and he could do that to anyone so um yeah look Quite daunting, but again, in the SBL, it is a legit situation where yeah, you can find yourself sitting there watching them one, one season, and the next season you you lacing them up and you, you're doing a preseason with them. So, um, it's the, the the beauty of the SBL, I guess.
0: Just before we move on, would you like to see the MVP award named after Jeff Anderson? Would that be would that be a fitting a fitting tribute to him?
1: I think so. I I look at Jeff and say he's uh, probably the only multiple um MVP of of that that standard you no know, four I know two of them were in the district competition but they were when the district was becoming the SBL yep. um yep. teams had imports and and so on and so forth and he epitomized what what that league was and for the for the MVP of the league to be named after someone like Jeff I think would be phenomenal as would the finals MVP being named, named after James Fitch yeah, yeah, um,
2: absolutely
1: you know those are the sorts of things that uh, i think carry our league forward in in prestige and we hold on to our history and we we take those guys who formed our league and and made it what it is and give us the opportunity to do what we do that's uh, us paying homage to them and i yeah i think that would be an amazing touch by the league if that if that was to happen
0: yeah i think so too so we could even ask ask jeff what that would mean to him later on i'm sure he's not going to nominate himself for such an award but you know, it's something we can certainly get across to him that we think it, he he deserved that that honor so we look forward to speaking to him later on now let's get to some news from the West coast classic over the weekend Ben and let's get the bad news out of the way first because on Saturday night one of our favorites here he was a he was one of our one of our favorite guests when he came on with he, with his dad back when we were talking about the the NCAA tournament Grand final MVP from last year, Liam Hunt, went down with a a terrible knee injury in Rockingham. You know, at first it was a dislocated knee and they were kind of hoping for the best and they were hoping if there was no break there, then maybe the damage wasn't quite so severe. But as it turns out, he's ruptured both his ACL and MCL on top of the dislocation. So he's, you know, it goes without saying that he's in in a pretty bad way. He's, I mean, it just couldn't happen to a nicer boy. couldn't happen to a better player either, who is right at the peak of his powers as a basketball player. He started this West Coast Classic in terrific form. As soon as it finished, he was going to go over and take up a contract in Germany. You would think, naturally, next year he would come back and play either here in the NBL 1 West or over east somewhere in the NBL 1 where he had signed. And and like we have talked about before, the NBL competition itself was not was not beyond him. He, he was certainly good enough to be playing in the NBL. He still could be, obviously, but it's just going to be delayed 12 months now, everything that's happening, just devastating news for Liam.
1: Yeah. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't be worse timing or a worse injury. And again, to each credit, as we said, a, a brilliant bloke. And I just flicked him a message on Sunday afternoon when we sort of, you know, all, all that came clear that he had done that and, <sighs> Uh, within a minute he'd responded back and in his usual style yeah had a bit of a bad bad, bad trot done knee so on and so forth and yeah just wishing him all the best and hopefully when he does have his surgery if he's already had it the the road to recovery is um is is quick and everything goes to plan and and we see the big fella running up and down the boards um sooner rather than later yeah he
0: won't be having surgery for a couple of weeks just just to let everything sort of settle down the swelling to go down and just to make sure you know everything's Everything's calmed down a little bit before they they open open it up. But yeah, we wish him all the best in in his recovery. And yeah, it just turned out to be a horrible weekend because his brother Jesse didn't make the trip down down for the two games because he wasn't feeling the best before he got on the bus. So they made the decision to to not come with with Jesse. And yeah, then then to lose Liam on on Saturday night the way they did. And his mum and dad unfortunately weren't weren't down here this weekend. But they quickly joined him in, in hospital on, on Sunday and were there 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 by his, his bedside with him yeah and then they had to front up the next day how, how tough is it for a team when you see an injury like that to one of your teammates, such a beloved teammate and then you've got to front up the next day to play against a team that that is just as talented as it gets and in this competition, I think the wolves are probably the favorites to go all the way. How tough is it to to bounce back the next day
1: And throw in on top of that you know the fact that the the game got called with three minutes to go yep. Um, yep. you know the guys emotionally that's a that's a pretty huge impact and yeah. All credit to them for, for getting out there and fronting up and, and Dale obviously had a did a great job to, to get them ready to play because uh, when you see someone like that, your spiritual leader and your MVP go down like that, it would have just been uh, a real horrible feeling for all of them sleeping that night. You're not at home. You don't have your support network. It's just you guys on the road. That would have been a really, really tough one. So... Yeah, look, to their credit, they, they got out there the next day and, um, Aaron Ralph, you know, took the bull by the horns and tried, did everything he could to, to get them to be competitive. But yeah, just a real, real tough one for them. And, um, yeah, heart goes out to those guys for, for what they had to go through over the weekend.
0: Pretty remarkable to watch what Ralphie did in that first half. By the time he put up twenty seven points, they were up by I think eight points against a team that, you know, they should they had no right to be up by that much against given the, the players that you that you could compare on. Each team obviously it ended up being a blowout and they lost by I think it was forty in the end. But yeah, for them to show that much hard in the first half, and it's funny. We we talk about two of the veterans of the league. Once Seb Salinas moved on to Aaron Ralph, he only scored three more points, and we talk about all the young kids, but you know, two guys who have played about eight hundred and fifty games between them. They they had a big say in the end result
1: yeah that's that's what it's about you know those guys are playing because they're they're competitors and and they if they wanted to have the extra 10 weeks off then they'd be sitting at home watching the footy so mm. um as we said all along once that ball goes up guys are going to play and they're going to play hard and they're going to play the right way so yeah good good to see those guys still running around
0: now you didn't make the trip to kalgoorlie for obvious reasons given your own injury situation kalamundari and sons are now zero and three by my reckoning, I'm not sure you can lose another game if you want to play finals. How's things been at training this week with Mark Utley and the boys?
1: Oh, look, as you know, I'm a phys ed teacher by trade, so math yep. isn't my um, my strong point. So um, <laughs> I'll have to trust you on, on the the math calculations. And look, um, Mark's as you usual self. That's probably one of the good things about Mark and being an experienced coach coaches that you know when when you win you say you say little and when you lose you say even less he's very focused on on his plan and he's 2 years into his plan and he's finding out who wants to play the the right way getting a really good look at, at the the boys without i, I think we worked or well, he worked it out that is 75 points and 40 rebounds out with um, no jav Braun, and, and lewis so yeah you know, the guys are getting as we said with all these other teams as well without the the players there they're getting these excellent opportunities and we're seeing who wants to stand up and and play basketball and play it the right way so no doubt um tonight's practice will be a tough one as you get ready for the inform wolves and and you never underestimate the heart of a champion and the bucks will come out on Sunday and I'm sure they'll give us you know their the, the biggest swing they can to to try and get mm. to get a win on the weekend
0: now before i have a look at some of the some of the great individual performers of the weekend. An update on our tips after round two. You, you went a lot better this week. Obviously, you, the three winners from round one has left you a little bit behind. But you got, you got eight this weekend. But I was able to get another nine. So 18 to 11 okay. after two weeks. Is, that, is it still winnable for you? Do you still give yourself a
1: chance? Oh, how long we got left? we still got seven, seven more seven weeks. Seven more weeks after this. Yeah. I reckon I'll close that gap. If I can get it back okay. to, back to 4-4 four, four with a couple of weeks to go. I reckon I'll be all right. So, yeah, pick one or two back each week and then <laughs> see how we go. I might throw a few cats amongst the pigeons and see if I can upset the apple cart a little bit in that last couple of weeks and, and bring home a win.
0: You know what you need. You need your calamunda team to start winning.
1: Well, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> I, I might mention that in the, the pregame on Friday that uh, <laughs> I'm looking pretty bad at the moment. So if the boys want to step up, it would be nice.
0: Now I wanted to have a look at some of the the standout players from from the weekend. I'll start with some of the more experienced guys. At Rockingham, Jackson Hussey started this season in amazing form. He had sixteen points on 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 Friday night, sorry, and then he backed it up thirty points and five steals in that game. We talked about against against the Bucks. Yeah, I mean. We didn't know how much we would see of him this SBL season because he he potentially could have been moving back to the United States, but he's he's started off in great form.
1: Oh look, oh, I'll put it down to one thing: his, his lovely wife is back in the in the states, and this is all he's got to focus on. You know, his whole, his whole week is around playing basketball on a Friday and Saturday night, and that's what Huss loves to do and I'm sure he's he's missing his, his dearly beloved over there. But focus, Jackson Hussey, as we know, very, 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 very tough to stop and probably relishing, you know, playing with the ball in his hand a little bit more and, and, and getting those opportunities to, to get the ball up and down the court at his at his pace. So some good good results coming for him.
0: Gavin Field, two games on the weekend he put up thirty eight points. I I saw them play against the Redbacks on Friday night. I was I would have been really worried about what the scoreline would have ended up if Gavin Field wasn't out there. He's just such a competitor, isn't he? And even even when he's trying to take a backseat and not trying to dominate the games to help his young teammates develop, he's still almost the best player on the court any time he steps out there.
1: Yeah, he's, the uh, for, for whatever reason, he's, he's never really got that look in at the NBL, but he's definitely a, a next level caliber competitor and someone like Luke Travers is probably learning, learning a lot playing alongside Gab, which is uh, probably part of the move there to play alongside someone who's a very similar player. But yeah, Gav, Gav's always going to go out and get the job done.
0: Ben Purse is the other one of the experienced players I wanted to, to highlight. He's almost having to play as a five man, given how small they are right now. And he's only, well, would he be 6'5", probably? So against some of the bigger teams, obviously, they're going to struggle a little bit. But he's starting this season as well as he ever has. And another, another 38 points, you know, from the two games. He's doing a bit of everything, as he always does, as, as well. Um, you've got to admire somebody like him.
1: Yeah, Ben just plays one way, and that's hard. Um, yeah. And does whatever his team needs him to to win. If they need to get points, he'll he'll get points. If they need a uh, inspirational play, he'll do it. They need rebounds, need him to defend the best player on the opposition. Perth is going to go out and do that. Very similar to Greg High, he'll just find a way to contribute and, and make his team better. And that's what he's doing at the moment. They playing out of position and almost the uh, the point five, if you will. That's what he's doing. He's he's doing it all for them. So um, they'll go as far as he'll carry them And they've got some good some good players around him that are feeding off his energy at the moment.
0: I'm so excited about what these two guys are doing at the Mandurah Magic. Tom Atkinson, I don't know if you can tell me a lot about him, but I I didn't know a lot about him before these last two weeks. But again, he's two games on the weekend. In one of them, he had 18 points, 17 rebounds, 3 steals. Then 24 hours later, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists and 4 steals. And he's found a partner in crime too, Josh Hunt, who's made the move from Geraldton just to get more opportunity and court time. And he put up 38 points across the two games on the weekend as well. These are two guys we didn't expect to be talking about, but they're grabbing their opportunities with, with both hands.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, I'm going to have to do a bit of a deep dive on, on Atkinson in uh, the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks. But, you know, they're, they're two kids who are grabbing their opportunities. And and as we said at the start of the year, the the teams like Bunbury with Wertho and Fitch on the bench and Magic with Trahair and Grace, the, these young guys are going to be benefiting so much from the knowledge that these guys can impart um, and learn how to play. And, and given the opportunity to go out and not only get it right, but make some mistakes and and learn how to bounce back and and do all those things. So definitely be uh, having a bit of a look at a bit of tape on these two in the next Mm. couple of weeks as we we start to move towards playing them um, towards the end of the year. Now,
0: another duo that we have to talk about, we spoke about them last week as well. You dubbed them the twin Towers from the Goldfields Giants. Mayo Malik and Major Garang against the the Eastern Suns on, on Saturday night. They were unbelievable. They combined for 57 points, 18 rebounds. Mayo was on fire with his three-point shooting as well. Two guys that big, they're close to seven foot, they can rebound the ball, they can intimidate shots, they can block shots, but they can score the ball as well. Your team had no answer for them on Saturday night, but you're not going to be the only ones. These these two, they could be the two guys for Wayne Creek and the Giants to build around for for years to come.
1: If I'm Brad French, I'm putting a contract that's got 10 years written Absolutely. on it and we're locking these two up. I'm, I'm um, getting them sorted with whatever they need to, to be the, the backbone of that team. These two are phenomenal. Without doubt, they're just, as I said at the start of the, the pod uh, 12 weeks ago, these guys that go to the, the country teams, they, they get to go there and their job is to play basketball. And that's you know seven days a week doing whatever they need to do to get ready to play. And I think these two are are showing the benefits of that. So, um, they I watched the tape and had to break this one down for our Monday night review mm. and these two are these two are phenomenal and you know mayo yeah. had three points uh, on in one of the games on um, last weekend and this week yeah. comes out and drops 31. <laughs> it's like they've got little things that they that they can bring out that are just just great and they're, they're both a tough cover as I said they they can do everything at one end and defensively they are monsters so I'm um, really looking forward to seeing what they can can keep doing and again a, a little 10week season like this could set them up for a, uh, a very very very
0: big future. Oh, it sure can. Speaking of a big future, we spoke about him after round one as well. Ethan Elliott at the Warwick Senators. That is what the West Coast Classic, Classic is all about—a 15-year-old kid being thrown in the deep end because of the injury to to Corbin Rowe, and he he put up. I know it was, a, it, was a, it was a big win over the Slammers so take it for what it's worth. But no matter what, for a 15-year-old to go out on a court playing against grown men at this level and to still put up 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, and three steals—it's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and credit to, to Mike there, giving him the confidence to go out and do it. He's obviously making a few mistakes, but you know they're, they're letting him play, and, and the the proof's in the pudding. The, the kid's delivering, and hopefully it's not just uh, a couple of games he, he does it for. And when or if Corbin does come back, um, they've got themselves you know a two-headed point guard there where they can quite comfortably sub one for the other and, and, mm. and get good production. So, yeah, really, really excited about him and, and what he's doing, and, and it's a good thing for, for the Senators up there to, to have that sort of you know, young blood coming through. So, yeah, really excited for what he's doing and, again, can't wait to sort of have a bit of a deep dive and, and look at how he's doing, yeah. doing what he's doing.
0: Then the other one I wanted to focus on, Shaquille Maharaj of the East Perth Eagles. When I first saw him come into the team last year, I thought he was he was an import. I thought he was the new import that Adam Ford had brought in, but then I spoke to Fordy after the game and he told me, no, he's a, he's, a local, he's a local guy. He was about to go over to college, but for whatever reason, that hasn't happened now. So he stayed at East Perth and he had another 36 points in their game overtime game against Manter on on saturday he had an I can't you know he had he had around 30 points again last sunday against against the bucks as well um i think he had a pretty quiet night in the first game of the season against against kalamunda but yeah he, he's a guy that he's got untapped potential I, I i assume he would have been a pretty big part of the plans that you were initially having at, at east perth
1: yeah, well, he's a kid that sort of, he's come through the, you know, the state state programs here and he, he did go to college. He went and played um, college in, in Canada. So he's done his yeah. four years of, of college and then in his off seasons, he's come back and he's, you know, last year when he was back, he was training with, with the Cats, trying to get a DP spot. And I think he's mm-hmm. been to over to Melbourne and, and done a similar thing over there. So he's, he's been on the radar of a few teams and he's that sort of kid that, again, in the SBL, they just have success. He's that 6'3", 6'4", does a bit of everything and plays really, really hard. He's He's uh, the sort of guy that, as you say, you could build your team around. And if you, you get down there and you watch the, the Eagles play, he's the guy that focused on the court. He's the guy that's running their warm-ups. He's the, the guy that huddles them up and talks. He's, he's mm-hmm. a real leader for them. So, yeah, they've got a good one there. And, you know, who knows what his plans are for, for next year. You know, right now, he's, he's delivering for them and, and giving them that import-level style play. So, yeah, really good pick up for for the Eagles.
0: And just finally, speaking of the imports, I guess because we've got so few imports in the league right now, some of them are really standing out. So I saw Caleb White play for the Redbacks on Friday, Friday night. He put up he put up 28 points, he had four or five from three, he was just 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 because he's so big and he, he plays as a as a two guard, but he's big enough to be a four or five man against a lot of the teams in this league. The other one, you've got Justin King who He's been shooting the ball on fire. I think over his last two games, he's gone eight of ten from three-point range. He had another 28 points, and then you've got Lee Roberts, who is a Grand Final MVP. He's an MVP-level player, and he's he's been a difference maker up with the Wolves. Because we've got so few imports, the ones that we do have, they're they're really making a difference.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great to have him here. Um, you know the the way the cards have, have fallen, and and opportunities overseas aren't aren't there. Um, we normally wouldn't see some of these guys, or we'd see them late. So um, yeah, just great to have these guys in the league and contributing. And again, uh, I know I've said this many times for me, getting the opportunity to go out and, and guard the imports on other teams makes you better. So for the teams that don't have them, there's obviously someone that's going to have to go out and do that job and that's only going to put these guys in better stead for next year when when the league is fully loaded and they've had that experience of going out and, and having to cover a, a professional athlete. So good to see that they're they're staying in shape and, and and getting some good numbers.
0: Yeah, I mean it is good to have them here because – the only way our local players get better is by playing against people, you know, above them and better than them and that's the way to get better. So it's always good to test yourself against people, you know, up another level. So it's certainly not a bad thing that we've got a few of them still floating around. Now, before we do finish this first segment, Ben, and and then have, have a full look at the results from, from this past weekend, question without notice, and there's probably no surprise, you, you, probably, you probably are well and truly expecting this one, um, and you're probably going to play it down, but I'd be silly not to talk about it this week. How are you feeling about going back to Jundle up as an as part of an opposition team on, on Friday night?
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Again, I've already had a few messages from um from different people up there that that um are saying, "Yeah, look, it's going to be different to see you sitting on the other side of the mm. bench and and all that sort of stuff," which it is. And yeah, look, I there's some people up there that I haven't seen for for a while and caught up with the boys a couple of times over the off-season and over the break, so, you know, and still talk to them quite regularly, so there's a few of them there that, you know, that that we've, we've maintained that relationship. So, yeah, look, it is what it is and no different for for a lot of guys around the league, but yeah, look, walking in wearing a an orange and black hoodie instead of a green and white one that's going to be a change uh, definitely won't get lost to the stadium so that's a good thing <laughs> I'll probably walk into the wrong change rooms as I walk yeah, around the corner and don't take the first turn left take the, the second turn left sort of stuff so yeah all those things are going to be a bit different but look uh, I'm looking forward to it again you know, it was my home for, for 10 years and you know, left there with uh, a lot of good memories and and looking forward to get back up there and, and seeing what, what they're like this year that's um, the thing for me so yeah looking forward to it
0: it was so weird for me being at my first Wolves game of the season and, and looking down at the bench and, and in terms of the coaching staff, the, the team manager, the, the physio, everyone's changed. No, like The only familiar faces are you know, obviously Seb Salinas and Trian Iliadis and Reese Maxwell and, and Rob Huntington and the players that are still there, but it's not only you that's gone. The entire coaching staff's changed. Obviously, the team manager's changed, the physio's changed. Amazing how things have changed over less than, less than 12 months.
1: Yeah, and look, and to a credit to the boys, though, they haven't missed a stride. So that's, mm. you know, probably the thing that I look at and go, well, you know what, we, we're probably doing something right and, and they, they might have needed a, a freshen up just like I needed a freshen up. So, um, yeah, look, they're, they're doing all right. That, that, that's, that's great for them. and But we'll be going in there on Friday night and we'll be giving them 40 minutes of our best basketball and, and trying to come away with a win. If we can pinch it, then even better.
0: Are you expecting any sort of response from the fans, whether it's a, an applause for what you did for the club, whether it's a, a friendly jibe or two, or, or complete silence? What are you expecting from the
1: fans when you, when you get there? Oh, look, it's, it's the SBL, I don't know. Like, you, you never know. <laughs> um, I would hope that uh, there's a few smiles and a few people say g'day and if not, then yeah, that's all right. I'll, I'll move on. And I'll go and sit down on the bench and and do my job. But yeah, look, I wouldn't wouldn't be thinking too much of it. It's like when when the wolves would go and play anywhere. Like um, you know, the opposition crowd are always going to give you a little bit, or there'll be people there that know you, so um, and 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 give you a bit of respect. So look, yeah, uh, water a ducks back really, but um, would hope there'd be a few people that would come up and say g'day and and how you going and that sort of stuff because you know, essentially at the end of the day, that's that's why we're we're while we're involved in the sport.
0: Oh, To be fair, if you're not welcome back warmly, then something's wrong with the world because what you did for that club, winning two championships, taking them to five grand finals in a row, it's, a, it's an achievement almost unequaled in in the history of the SBL and what you did for that club and helped them turn turn themselves into, as we've talked about before on the show, so we don't need to go back into it, but almost a basket case 11 years ago to now, the trendsetters in the SBL both on and off the court Um, you had a massive part in that so if you weren't welcomed back warmly on Friday night then I'd be very disappointed so I hope the night goes well for you if you get a win that's a bonus but I just hope it's a good night for everyone involved and we'll now move on and finish this first segment when we come back we'll go through all of the results from round two of the West Coast Classic Okay, back here on SBL Around, and we've talked about some of the standout performers now. Let's go through the results from round two of the West Coast Classic. Let's start on Friday night, and credit to the Southwest Slammers. We know that they're going to be undermanned, but they'll be very well coached by Mark Worthington and, and James Fitch this season. They made the Rockingham Flames work for this one, but the Flames still too strong, obviously, with Jackson Hussey, Travis Dernan, Ryan Godfrey leading the way. they The, the Flames got over the line 76-65, to 65, Ben.
1: Yeah, good performance there from um, Lee Rickett Wood-Pitt, um, 18 points mm. and nine rebounds. Again, opportunities coming his way. And, and as I said before, really great to see Travis Dernan fit and healthy and, and getting some numbers. So I think he's uh, you know, an, an untapped potential in this league and someone that could yeah. have great success. So yeah, good to see him in a, in a spot where he can shine.
0: And at Belmont Oasis on Friday night as well, I was at this game. The Perth Redbacks beat the Coburn Cougars one twelve to seventy six, and I was amazed with the fact that the Redbacks put in a stinker twenty four hours later because they looked they looked really switched on for this game. They put on a show, and Joel Wagner running the point. When you've got two athletic guys alongside him, Tevin Jackson, and Caleb White, it was really fun to watch. Marshall Marshall Nelson, obviously doing what he does, it was a lot of fun to watch the Redbacks go about it. And I likened it to obviously obviously CJ likes loves his Showtime, and I likened them to playing playing like that. And you know, I felt bad for Coburn; they were under man for whatever reason. Luke Travis was there but didn't play. He did play the next night, so that didn't help Coburn. And it was a big win for the Redbacks, but they put on a show, and I thought they were building some momentum. Wasn't to be, but this was a this was a big win for them.
1: Yeah, and as you said, you know, Caleb and, uh, and Marshall sort of come back the next week and, and both shoot the ball at a fairly high clip and uh, excellent to see uh, young Kai Chamberlain made the move from, from the Wolves down to Coburn and seeing him get a, a few extra minutes and, and doing what we know he can do, which is uh, score the basketball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that's the great thing. Coburn have got some really talented youngsters there now that are, are getting a lot of opportunity. Next up on Friday, Williton Tigers, their first win on their new show court there at Williton Basketball Stadium. They beat the Mandurah Magic eighty to seventy-two.
1: Yeah, and there's that kid, Connor Mincherton again, coming in with yep. 14 points. I guarantee th- at least three of those were, were triples. And mm-hmm. and Tom Atkinson, again, really taking the lead by the scruff of the neck at the moment. 18 points, 17 rebounds um, up against a uh, uh, formidable uh, opponent there in, in Lewis Thomas, who we know can yep. uh, and rebound the ball and, and play inside as well. So, yeah, that kid's obviously um, getting some some good opportunities and, and lots of confidence being put in by, uh, by Aaron Trahert.
0: This next one, not so much surprised by the result, but a little bit by the margin. Lakeside Lightning beat the Perilakes Hawks one hundred to seventy-eight, and I guess because Lakeside, like we talked about last week, didn't have a double header this week, so Michael Vicker and Andrew Ferguson played together, and, and that made them just too big for Perilakes, as you sort of foreshadowed last week, and they they combined for thirteen points, twenty-nine rebounds. So ultimately, that was probably the difference.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, they might have listened to last week's podcast and then took a little bit to heart the uh, the twin towers <laughs> that I dubbed yeah. uh, the boys up in Kalgoorlie there, and they, they were pretty uh pretty fired up to, to show that yeah they they can do the same thing. So uh, when you got a, a seven footer and a, and a six foot ten you know Dirk Nowitzki clone running around out there, yeah. you know Lakeside are going to be very tough. And getting good service from from um, Sherville and and Rowan McKenzie, you know two yep. guys that have been in in our state programs and and uh, headed over to to play some college ball. Um, I think they're sort of relishing the um uh, the west coast classic and and a chance to to really get out there and 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 go hard
0: yeah for sure Now it was a big night on saturday first up we've already talked about this game a fair bit so we know about the twin towers from the giants but um they the giants beat the and Suns 87 to 76 aside from mayo and major um what did you pick up from the game now that you've been able to watch it back
1: Oh look, I think um you know, where we thought the, the Giants might struggle in know those guard spots. They've got a couple of couple of probably combo guards, no real true point guard, but Pletchika you know, he's he's uh, a big sort of three that handles the ball yeah. and um and Ballantine as well. Those two both play hard and, and, and keep you on your heels for a lot of the game and for us, you know, we're we're getting some good reps in, into Logan Viskovic and, and Ryan Blanchett, guys we know that can play uh, SBL and will be good contributors. But, you know, we, we sort of see big things in, in Cooper Lowe. You know, he's a, he's an undersized sort of five man so yeah look we, we look at at, at cooper low and we see you know if he if he keeps working hard and, and developing his range he could be sort of a, a smaller version of nick k which would fit really well into our system and, and in sbl and you know the boys the boys heads are still high and they had a good hit out on on monday and they'll be getting ready for two tough ones on the weekend he could
0: probably be similar to the hunt brothers too he's very similar similar build as well they're, they're, they're probably two two other guys he might be able to model his game on
1: yeah, most definitely. And again, he's got a big heart and he's when we look at him and, and we remember the days of the Kurt Slavaleskis and, and Clint Reeds and, and Matt Fosters, who were all yeah. guys around that 6'4", 6'5", that in the SBL are very, very productive players. Um, good footwork and, and strong hands, uh, almost like Taylor Mullinax. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, an undersized five, but in the SBL can be a very, very effective player.
0: Yeah, he could absolutely score, could, could Taylor. About to come a dad very shortly as well, so congratulations to him and there go. him and you now this is the disappointing game of the the night. We don't need to spend too much time on it. Rockingham Flames. By the time the game was called, I guess with three minutes to go, they had beaten the Geraldine Buccaneers eighty four to seventy.
1: Yeah, and Jackson Hussey, uh, one of yeah. his old teams there, really put on a show, 30 points from the Huss. Yeah. Travis Dernan, uh, learning that consistency. Uh, yeah. My college coach told me it's one thing to go and get 30 points on one night, but if you get six the other, you're not really doing uh, your team a good service. You want, your, you want your best game to be 20 and your worst game to be 15. That's where you want to be. You want to be consistent, and that's what Dernan's giving them. And uh, again, you know, if they can, can keep Godfrey and, and – um, and Dernan and, and Chuck a couple of, you know, Greg High back in that group and their imports and stuff like that. The, the um, Beard Brothers, you know, the, yeah. The Beard Brothers, yep. They're all contributing. Um, you know, the Flames are are getting some good reps into those sorts of guys that are gonna gonna put him in a good spot for next year. And again, as we said, just horrible news for for Liam. Can't mm. can't wish him more good sentiments than, than we're doing. So yeah, hopefully he's uh he's up and about.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Um, this next one, this was probably the best game we've seen in the West Coast Classic so far. The only game that's gone to overtime. The Mandarin Magic ended up getting over the East Perth Eagles ninety-four to ninety. But yeah, there's some uh, a hell of a lot of players that stepped up to have have big games. And anytime it goes to overtime, it's always always a bit of excitement.
1: Yeah, look, I think we kind of start dubbing these East Perth Eagles, the cardiac kids. Um, you know, every game they've got, they're playing hard. Luke Coburn and, and Chris Clausen doing a great job getting the boys playing hard. And again, when we see these teams that are equally matched, both teams, no imports, or Aussies out there playing, we're seeing some really, really cl- close results. And um, again, everyone involved in this game got to coach a game and be involved in a game that went to overtime and then went down to the wire. And that's something that probably for, for the manager Magic, especially in the last couple of years, hasn't. hasn't happened um yep. so is actually getting to coach these guys through the last few possessions of a game and for east perth they're, they're learning how to to yeah. how to finish off a game they got it right against us in week one maybe they got it wrong in, in this one that's the decisions that they're getting to make so kieran mm-hmm. berry will be better for, for for that experience as he as he runs point for, uh-huh. for for luke this
0: one wasn't quite as close at warwick stadium the warwick senators beat the southwest slammers 130
1: to 58. Yeah. And as you said a couple of weeks ago, maybe were though and Fitch should have uh, challenged Mike and Jason Cooper to a game of two <laughs> on two. Maybe that would have been a little bit closer, yeah. but look again, this is what we're talking about. We've got a big discrepancy in, in experience and, and you know, talent that's on the floor. You know, Credit to the Senators, putting 130 points up in a 40-minute game is, is phenomenal. And for the Southwest Slammers, I've been on the, the back end of a few of these sorts of losses in my career as well. And if it doesn't kill you, it's only going to make you stronger.
0: This one was a lot closer than a lot of people might have expected too. The Cobra and Cougars pushed the Dream Love Wolves all the, all the way, but in the end, the Wolves just got over the line, 92-88. to 88.
1: Watch this one quite closely, given that we play the Wolves this this Friday night. And and look, it was uh, you know the the Cougars jumped out. And as I said last week, it's always a tough one for us. For some reason, we always get the Cougars down there uh, in the middle of winter. We whether it's the drive down or something, we just don't Mm. start well. And essentially, you know, Triana Iliadis basically went bang, 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 three threes in a row and took them from a couple of points down to six points up. And um, the Cougars never really got it back. And and that was the margin at the end. So good service from from Luke Travers there. Good to see him. Hopefully there's no little injury niggles and that's why he missed the night before. But, you know, that's kind of where we would think he would be performing maybe a few more points. Um, But yeah, that sort of 12 rebounds and six assists given his versatility. Very Gavin Field-like in his... um, Mm-hmm. In his work that on Saturday night,
0: yeah, for sure. now this one was a real surprise given given how both of them went on Friday night, so Perllas had had a big loss to Lakeside. the Redbacks had a big win over Coburn, but complete opposite here in this one had that the Perry Lakes Hawks beat the Perth redbacks ninety three to sixty five.
1: Yeah, and again, the Hawks are one of those teams that they are always going to come out and and give you a ball game and uh, things that take you out of your game and they will be very well prepared. And Ben Purser probably would have gone straight to Caleb White, uh, given his yeah. versatility, and I would have expected uh, Mitch Clark matching up on Marshall Nelson and perhaps those two, you know, combining to to give those guys a hard time. I know I, I messaged you and said, "Is Marshall? Are you at the game? Is Marshall hurt?" Because he mm-hmm. didn't have many points at halftime, and essentially it was that I think that foul trouble really threw him. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, look, credit to the to the Hawks there, and you know the up and down Redbacks, as as we've said, they're taking a little bit of time to to work things out, and when they're getting it right, they're getting it right. But obviously on, on this one, they they didn't quite get to where CJ wanted them to be.
0: No, they didn't. Um, last game of the round at HBF Arena, um, you wouldn't know it from the scoreline, but the Bucks were eight points up halfway through the second quarter, but from there, the June Love Wolves took over and ended up winning eighty eight to fifty eight.
1: Uh, I think, you know, just that emotional letdown, they obviously were... You know, bad to go out Whether it was We're going to go out there And play hard for Liam Or we're going to go out there And give these guys Another serve Like we did in the grand final that, Those emotions Probably ran out um, At half time You know Ralphie there 27 points in the first half I think there was, was it Eight threes Or something like that Just yeah, just phenomenal it. shooting From him and, Seven uh, Seven threes Seven seven, seven triples So you know yep. Doing what he does best And for me To see uh, Daniel Vlahov Back after Two knee reconstructions And essentially You know Being signed as a 16 year old A few years ago For us And and doing great things in his first couple of games, um, and then blowing his knee out, and then you know everything he's gone through to get back, and I was so proud to see him go two for two and, and, and be contributing to a win for his team. So, yeah, the Wolves are, are rolling at the moment, and they'll be a tough cover this weekend for us.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Dan Flaerhoff because because Laura knows he sorry his mum very well. Obviously, you would recognise her from being on the door there at, at Joondalup Games. So I've always I've always told told Laura that don't worry, you'll get to see her son play one day, and she got to see him play on Sunday, yep. which was good.
1: Oh, uh, very good. Yeah, uh, wonderful family and lots of support for Daniel and brothers are coaching you know junior teams up there, and, and his mum does a mountain of work for the um for the Wobble Clubs and the SBL team as well. So wonderful to see him back out there running around.
0: Mm. There we go. Round two in the West Coast Classic is done. Now, let's not waste any, any further time. When we come back, we'll be speaking to the legend, Jeff Anderson. Okay, back here on Shoot Shootaround, and this is the interview, Ben, that is 12 shows in the making. We're up to episode 12 here of Shoot Shootaround, and this was the man that has been right at the top of your list the whole way through, and we've got to him now. He's a four-time MVP winner of of WA basketball. He's the, as you touched on before, the godfather of Willerton basketball. He's seen everything that's happened at that stadium at, at Willerton, including changing shape a couple of times quite significantly over the last 30 years, and he's still going strong today, so let's get straight to the man I'm talking about. Jeff, thanks very much for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a great thr- thrill to talk to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, before I hand you over to Ben, what's Ooh. it like now walking into that brand-new-looking stadium at, at Willerton? It's, it's come together pretty nicely.
3: Well, it has, too. I mean, um, right now, it's been the last 31 years straight that I've been at Willerton,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and it's something that we've been looking forward to for, for a long time. So, um, so yeah, it's been in the makings and, uh, finally, you know, come true as far as having this new stadium. So yeah, we're all excited about it. So we're trying to get used to it. We've been out now for the last about three or four months. So, um, and SBL kicked off a couple of weeks ago. So that was one of the big events we had, you know, yeah. scheduled. But, uh, but no, we're, we're getting used to it. So it's going to take a little while, but, uh, but we're excited about it.
1: So, uh, as you say, Jeff, um, you know you've been you've been here for thirty war at Willerton for thirty one, and then there was a few years prior to that. But um, I think uh, not many people would know uh, the story of of Jeff before you got to to Australia, and and then also that that journey that that brought you here, which is a, a little bit different to sort of most imports in the way that you you came out. But you know th- those um. I've been asking the guys that have come on you now. What were those those high school years like? And then that time at college. What were those things that you learned that sort of, you know, made you the, the the person that you are and the man that you are? That sort of, you know, when you did get to Australia, you you made it your home and 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 you settled here for for what it is now, sort of, thirty four know, odd years.
3: Yeah, like you say, my journey was a bit different from the imports nowadays. I guess for me, it goes back to. um it was actually nineteen eighty one when I first got the chance to come to Australia. I was in my second year of college, which is I call your sophomore year and um yeah. and I was playing in an NAIA school Division two school but uh but what it was was that uh we had a big tournament taking place in Kansas City, and some of our coaches was at the uh, tournament our school did not make that particular tournament that year, but we had a couple of coaches there and um while they was there, it looked as though there was some sort of um Big conversation about sending some guys over to Australia, uh, something that's going to do for the first time. So, um, so this is, um, probably back in 1980 when they started talking about it because they organized it for 81. And, um, and my particular coach from North Carolina, uh, I was at Hopkins College. He's kind of threw my name in. I did have a good season, I guess, my sophomore year. And, uh, maybe thought I was a naughty person and kind of, you know, throw the, put the name in ahead and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so they, they probably started planning back in '80, and you know, when I was at university, I received letters about the fact that, you know I've been chosen as far as one of the ones that's, you know for touring team, and wanted to know if I was interested. And uh, and one thing I remember at that particular time is that when I received the letter, they kind of stated that you know if I decide I want to go, I was going to have to be going to uh, Perth or Queensland. And I remember sending back like, the letters, just saying yes, I was interested. I spoke to a couple of girls trying to find out about Australia and. They had no idea about Australia. They were saying things such as yeah. kangaroos go around the place like dogs in, in Australia. So I was really expecting to see kangaroos as soon as I got the plane. So when uh-huh. I did send a letter back, I was really interested in going to Queensland because I thought that sounds better than Perth. I never, you know, did not even pronounce the word Perth. I didn't know how it was pronounced. <laughs> but I just thought Queensland sounds better. So, uh, so okay. when I did my return letter, mine said I was going to Perth. So uh, So what it was is that 16 guys went to Perth, 16 went to Queensland. And um so prior to making it to Australia we kinda met in San Francisco, the sixteen guys. We kinda spent about three or four days with about four or five coaches getting to know one another before we got on the plane to go to Australia. And uh so we came off for of eight weeks during our off season during the summertime in America. Um so we did a variety of things while we were here as far as doing tournaments and playing on particular I guess it was back then it was called um was the discrets, I think it was basketball teams. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but, yeah, that was, that was my first taste of Australia. So I had eight weeks of being out here, you know, with these other guys and, you know, meeting people. And the team I happened to got picked for was called Tangley Tigers, which is now the Williton Tigers. So I got to know some people over at Williton at that particular time because I played, you know, seven, eight weeks playing up on the Tangley Tigers team. So, um, so yeah, so we set up during that time and, um, and we all had to fly back out eight weeks and we and all went our different ways. But what I did when I went back to university was that, um, I kind of stayed in contact with the people over at Willerton, And, uh, and I always felt like, um, you know, when I finished school, I wouldn't mind coming back. But, um, but after going back to school, uh, that, you know, I think that tour, I was in my junior year, which is my third season. Um, yeah, I kept, you know, I had Williton, you know, I had going back to Australia on my mind for most of the time. So what I ended yeah. up doing, to be honest with you, is that, um, two thirds of the way through the season, I kind of, you know, went up to the coach and just said, I think I'm gonna go back to Australia, I'm gonna leave school, I'm going back to Australia. So this is two thirds of the way through my junior year where I decided I wanna go back to Australia, I didn't want to play no longer. So yeah. um so yeah, just out of nowhere, um, you know, I had newspapers, people calling me up and wanna know what's going on and the coach, you know, he he gave me his blessing because he kind of knew, you know, because I was walking around with Ugg boots and all kind of things. I've never seen Ugg boots before, but I took that back to me to America, so I'm walking around with Ugg boots and people looking at me like, what do you got on your feet? But I really want to come back to Australia. And um, so, I, yeah, I said to my mom, I was going back, and she kind of said to me then, you know, you're not coming back. And uh, so I guess that's right. one of the things moms kind of know, but uh, I always felt like, no, I'm just going for two years and I'll be back after two years. And uh, when she, okay. yeah, she pointed out, I would not be back. And um, yeah. So, yeah, so I came out and uh, met my wife the first week uh, I was here. And, uh, so I've been with her, you know, ever since then. And so I came back in March of 83. So it was over 37 years I've been here now. But, um, but yeah, no, and and like I say, I came back and played for Williston, um, which was playing the Tiger at that particular time before they changed over. But, uh, but yeah, during my 37 years, I spent a couple of years, I guess, with Swan City Mustangs and a couple of years with Sterling Senators. But, but now the last 31 years straight been with Willerton, with the Willetton Tigers. So, um,
2: it's, uh, so yeah, yeah.
3: One thing I always said about the basketball is that I still recall, um, coming over from college to get touring team where I thought at the time when I was playing in the district basketball, I felt like most, I felt like the whole competition was similar to like high school. There were certain players that I felt, you know, capable of playing college ball. Uh, but I thought overall the level was more high school level with a bit of a mixture mm-hmm. of some college players. But um, but I must say, you know, over the years, obviously now, you know, just watching some of the young kids play and, and the way the basketball is nowadays, uh, some very good players out here in Australia.
1: Yeah, and look on, on that team that came out with you, I, I know. So there would have been other a few other guys sprinkled around. Who were the, the the other imports that sort of came out with you that then also then came back and played? Do you do you remember, or would you you know those guys?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that took place when we was part of the tour. We had one guy, uh, like we were all NAI basketball players. We had the leading scorer, um, from the NAI that was on that tour with His name was Bob Witt. Now, during our eight-week okay. year, Bob got engaged, uh, to a girl, um, but he couldn't stay here. Obviously, we all had to fly back to America. But, um, but what took place, he was a senior, which means he was he had finished his last year at university. So he did a tour. He had already graduated. Okay. But yeah, so when I went back, like I say, I stayed no more than probably eight to ten months before I came back to Australia. When I got back, Bob was here because, like I said, he got engaged on the tour. And he was playing, uh, I went to play for Pagney at the time. I think Bob was playing for Swan City Mustangs. Uh, as I said before, a couple of years before Swan the Mustang, that's when I teamed up with Bob with uh most of that season, was towards the end of the season where all of a sudden we got a third import that was uh, brought over. And he was another guy from the tour, Andy Carey, a six foot ten guy. So all of a sudden yeah. we had three guys from that tour all playing with the Swans to the Mustangs. We actually won the championship yeah. that year. It was a very good team, I must admit. But yeah, uh, I played with Bob Whist. I think his son is out here now. I haven't really met his son, but uh, but I think there's a Wist that's been in a competition for a long time. Yeah, Tom, yeah. Okay, dear Tom, that's him. Uh, that's Bob's yep. son. Uh, he's one mm-hmm. of the guys that's part of the tour. And the other guy, Andy Carrier, when he came out and played with us for the uh, Swan City Mustang, Andy on the state about a couple of years, but he went back. Bob stuck around okay. for a while before he actually made his way back to the state. But um, but yeah, as far as the tour, the 16 guys that came out here, those are the only ones that I've ever come across as far as coming back to Australia.
1: Okay. And, then, and it just happened uh, to show that all
3: three of us <laughs> playing on one team. End time. up the same team.
1: Yeah. yeah no that's um just just uh amazing and again something that nowadays i guess the advantage back then was a team actually got to see you play for eight weeks they got to see how you how you assimilated into the the culture how you uh, got on with your teammates what you were doing off the court and and so on and so forth it's uh it's a very, very different process now. A lot of the time, when you, you do, as you know, when when you've sort of recruited imports as well, it's it's really yeah, it's a luck of the draw. And most of the time, you'll get you get the the good guys, but sometimes you know what what you see on the tape and what the agents told you when they turn up, it's it's nothing like that. So that's a you know look at it. It's almost like the reverse now. Our, our kids are all going over on these tours to the U.S. to try and. Make high school teams and college teams, and and the coaches actually get to see them play live and all that sort of stuff. So that's just a, a massive advantage, I think, is for for a touring team to come out and and actually be able to play with these teams it would have been would have been a lot of fun for the the Aussie guys back then as well, having someone new come in. Um, but also for those teams, yeah, looking as far as recruiting. So yeah, uh, well, there was just a, that was one of the Years here.
3: ago, I think over at Lakeside, uh, there's a college team in America at the least in action, and uh, yeah, they yes. do a lot of traveling. And uh, I know for a number of years. They used to come out here. It was through Lakeside, uh, Lakeside Rec uh, yeah. Center. But, uh, but that was an opportunity because even this year I coached at Willerton, I remember seeing that Athletics and Action Team come out and, and, like you say, being able to see the players play. You can see you know, yes. what they like and you get the chance to talk to them also because you can meet the players. And I remember recruiting the guys through um, that program just for the fact that like they're being able to see the guy form and stuff. Otherwise it is a knock of a draw as far as, you know, unfortunately these these agents they make everybody sound like superstars. So uh yes, even indeed. myself, uh when I came out with the touring team I suppose have been six foot seven when I seen the program <laughs> and I'm thinking six foot seven and I'm thinking, yeah, six three, six seven, nowhere closer, but I think a lot of us was <laughs> bigger than what we supposed to have been, even though we had some big guys because basically with sixteen guys they brought eight small guys and eight big guys. So i them all and uh and all the big asses from six foot eight on up seemed like it yeah so they were the big guys okay. but uh but still they had yeah. me still six to seven in the program <laughs> and uh yeah. and i think that was the thought of all these guys shrinking on their way to australia <laughs> and stuff because yeah, yeah everybody was bigger than what they supposed to be but even though we still had some big ones and uh
1: yeah yeah, yeah I, I think i've actually mike mike bustle at perry lakes actually has that program he came and showed me when i was, at, oh, wow. was there one day he goes have a look at this and i remember that's how why i knew the the journey here was a bit different and and if ever you could you could grab it there's actually your uh, your profiles in that uh, it'd be floating around at perry lakes in their office or in the BWA. Office. you know it's i got actually, the same uh, program book you talked because
3: uh, oh, wow. the oh, other part of it too is the other part of it Say i'm from greenstone and i always felt when i first seen it I Sound like something from the Flintstones or something. I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. The place is called Greensboro, North Carolina, but uh it got me in there as Greenstone. I've never seen that too, Greenstone. The first thing I thought about was, you know, Flintstones, Bad <laughs> rock or something like that. Like, where's Greenstone? So it was all it was all backwards with the head for me. So yeah. surprised I'm the person they thought I was. I mean, six seven green stone and know uh, <laughs> yeah. what else they had in there. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I mean, growing up being at that time and playing college basketball in North Carolina in those early 80s. I have to ask the question were you aware of the guy that was playing about an hour down the road at the University of North Carolina during that time and in your high school days or um, I don't know if I've got your uh, ages you know right. What? Would you
3: have... No, 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 it's close, it's close but you know what it was yeah? so much Jordan is probably worthy because James worthy. Okay. He was in the same tournament I was in and they had us scheduled to play each other in, in the finals game, what they call it, like, what you call it, grand finals. They call it championship game or something, but it was a high school tournament. Uh, we all okay. 4 eight schools and stuff, and our school was very good. It wasn't me against, you know, James Wordy, because James Wordy a six foot eight guy, but we had big players and all kind of players. Uh, we had a very good team. So, uh, we were scheduled to kind of meet in the finals. We made it through. His team got knocked out in the semis. So, uh, wow. so we had, you know, obviously Dean Smith and whoever was coaching North Carolina was there to watch James, uh, but he didn't make yes. it through to the, the big game. And, uh, uh, and my school did, but we ended up losing. But still, we, we went further than James uh, Worthy team. But,
1: um, but yeah, as
3: far as Michael yeah, Jordan, he was a couple of years, I guess, uh, probably behind me. Okay. As far as Michael. But yeah, he was yeah. somewhere down that way. But I mean, it was different ones. Buck Williams, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of Buck Williams. And uh, yeah, yeah. he was at the tournament yeah. where they also beat us in the grand final game the following year.
1: And uh,
3: yeah, now, as you know, North Carolina produced some good players
1: a lot of good players yes very much so very much so so um yeah look that's again uh, we've sort of found those things out as we're talking to people, the different people that have come across, you know, the, the, the guys that are in the SBL and, and so on and so forth and again, you said you had a couple of times where you, know, you played initially for the Tagney and then was the Mustangs and a couple years at Sterling and then 31 years at um at the Tigers there and you know, every time I speak to anyone that has anything to do with Wilton Basketball Stadium and you know, it's Jeff Anderson is the one that's that's either been in their life or has had something to do with, with their basketball but we, we had a chat to your, your good friend Jay Fitch in, in show one and he he sort of alluded to a story there where you'd try to recruit him to come to the Tigers, which would have been, uh, I think, the, the, the first super team in the SBL. Was there ever anything where Jeff might have gone to somewhere else or was it always going to be the Tigers? No, nah, I really can't complain where I, I
3: landed at. But uh but I must admit early on, I think when I was I don't know if it's just early or Swans, but yeah, I was I, I kinda one time considered going to Geraldton playing with uh, Dan Hunt and Brian Funderland. And uh yeah. um, Oh wow. So it, probably the one thing that stopped it was the wife. She was in the fan yes. of you know, heading to Geraldton. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. we kind of thought about teaming up together as far as going there. So they kind of spoke to me about going to Geraldton. So um, so I realized those two guys were there. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's not a bad little team there.
2: So I kind of mm-hmm. spoke mm-hmm. to
3: my wife about it. And then I was proud to, you know, going back to Willerton and stuff. And I was I like, I definitely have no regrets about it, you know, playing for Willerton. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, that was at one time, and, and James is correct. When I was at Willerton, yeah, but I did try to organize James' work and all kind of things to come to Willerton play with me. And, yeah. um, but now, again, I can't blame James. He's done so well for Bunbury, and Bunbury's been good for him, so he's done very well.
1: But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I did try
3: um, to fill him out of Bunbury, get him over at Willerton.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, when I spoke to him, I said to him, that, that combination of of yourself and James, I think you could have put three any three other guys around that, and I think there would have been similar title title run that what the the slammers had. had. Um, just you know, that your game and his game sort of complement each other on on the wing. Oh no, I
3: don't you know if I'd in the shots playing with James Fitz, I was in very few shots <laughs> playing with that guy. I well, think we need oh, a second up. basketball.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask yeah, you about that because, <laughs> because he, he told us that if he was playing today, he looks at today's game and he said that he would have no trouble beating Snoopy Graham's 82-point record. He would, he would go close <laughs> to putting up 100, 100 points a game if he was playing today. Do, do you feel similar oh, about yeah. if you were he, playing
3: today? He would bring that up, wouldn't he? I'll tell you what, I still can <laughs> get over that. my darn days, I must still remember that game. But uh, yeah, that was that was really something. I mean, the, the crazy thing about it, I still recall one of the referees was Peter Lucas. I still remember yeah. having forty six points left, and Peter's trying to say to me afterwards, uh, "You played well," and I'm looking at him like this guy just scored eighty two points and forty six. That's a long way away from eighty two. And um, but yeah, we I remember just leaving from the place and you know going back to our hotel before we can even walk through the door. To the receptionist said, "Are you got the are you the team that the guy just scored eighty two points on?" And we were just barely walk through our hotel everybody knew about
2: it yeah. but uh yeah
3: yeah that night we just could not do anything with this guy i mean i've played a long time and seen some really really good players particularly in the SBL and stuff and state league but that night i don't know what was going on we just tried everything against this guy and uh it wasn't mm-hmm. a big fella it wasn't like he was just telling everybody inside and you know just had size and that sort of stuff He was only about 60 but he was just this jump shooter just was just could not miss yeah and uh yeah. we tried everything against him but we just could not stop this guy and um and I never seen nothing like that. I mean, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of consider myself a decent defensive player, and yeah. uh, and I tried my best to get him. But and I thought I was playing good defense, but it just showed me what it's, the next level is like when you get to the NBA. Because this guy, um, yeah. as you knew, he went back and played for Atlanta Hawks. Because I remember speaking to my brother a few days later, a week later, just said, yeah, the guy just scored eighty-two points on him." And so I told him his name because I think that was his last game he played it for was, Calgary, it was. And, uh,
2: it was his and he went back well present.
3: Okay. And uh, <laughs> so he went back and he went back to Atlanta Hawks. And my brother said, Yeah, hey, he plays for Atlanta Hawks. And I'm thinking, Yep, Snoopy Crown, that's the one. I said, yep. Uh, yeah, he just scored 82 points against us. <laughs> but, uh, it's just phenomenal. But, yeah, this just shows you almost like what it means to be an NBA player because he's still, uh, he still had a fairly decent you know, career in NBA. I think he had about five, six years there. And, did he uh, did? I think yeah. one of the years he averaged about 13, 14, 15 points. Probably that year he came back after scoring 82 points against us. But, uh, but yeah, he won a 6 the man of the year? Oh, did he really? Yeah,
1: six man of the year with the Hawks. So, uh, yeah, oh,
3: okay, again, okay. It, well, that made me feel a bit better in a way, so at least he was a decent pair. <laughs> <trail. laughs> there you go. But you know he well, was only the second one to do that because Dan Hunt was. was another player that scored 82.
1: He absolutely was. Yeah. absolutely well, we, was. We spoke We spoke to Dan, and he said the, his first year in the league, he, he didn't really score that much. And then the the next season, he sort of realized that if he wanted to stick around, he, he needed to start to put some points on the board. So Well,
3: i got to say about Dan's 82, that was just a young team because uh, I think it was just uh, Colvin Krugers. And mm-hmm. I felt like Colvin was a very young developing team at that time. So his is not as legit as the other one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we were go. a good team that year. We were a good team, and uh, we went down there. I think we were sitting in the top three
1: and yeah you <laughs> see what happened to us <laughs> yeah uh, so you, you just sort of touched on it then jeff in your, in your time you know and again willerton being such a, a huge part of the wa basketball landscape and the 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 quality of players that have come through. Are there are there any guys that you know, especially the Australian guys that have come through that you you sort of looked at and thought, yeah, that that kid's got. You know, you said you know when you got here, you sort of felt like it was a high school level. But what were, who are the kids that you've seen come through though that, that stadium door that you've sort of looked at and gone, yeah, you're you're destined for you know NBL or or beyond. Well,
3: probably the number one person would have to be Daniel Johnson mm-hmm. and uh, DJ, yep. uh, as you know, he plays for sort of Adelaide. And uh I've seen him right throughout, you know, the Williston High School program, specialized program and and uh throughout his career, you know, junior career with williton And he had the size and had the shooting, he had everything to be honest with you. And he had a you know, I had a really good career playing with um Adelaide. But uh but he's probably about the biggest talent I remember seen come out of Williton and uh, yeah, I really thought That's touching on was DJ
0: L- 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 S- sorry. Yeah. Last time I spoke to DJ he told me that he was keen to come back for at least one SBL season to play in the new building at, at Williton. so make sure you don't give up on him
3: Okay, yeah well, I mean the last time I was involved with basketball at Willerton that level was uh, assistant coach and he yeah. was um, one of our players when we won the championship that year so uh Absolutely. so you know, I'm gonna definitely take that back to I'm gonna take that back to Willich and let everybody know that. <laughs> uh, so that'd be nice for him to come back and at least have one season with us again. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, he was the biggest telling I thought and I really felt like DJ could've went further. Obviously he went off to college, he went to Pepperdine for a little while, but uh and, yeah, maybe when he gets back and play that one season I can find out whatever happened there because you know his college career was very short. He decided to come back after, you know, a certain amount of time and um uh, and yeah, and then he just landed in the NBL and just stayed there. But I really felt like he had to, you know, particularly nowadays, you look at the way the game is played and, um uh, he would be ideal six foot 11 guy that can shoot the ball. Absolutely. And, um uh, but yeah, I thought he was probably, probably the biggest. I mean, it's a lot of kids nowadays from uh, so, Williston uh, heading their way, making their way off to colleges and stuff. But, um, yep. yeah, I would probably put DJ at the top right now
1: okay and uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, I, I think if i sorry if i get it right here i think you're probably the only league mvp that's also won a coach of the year award so how how did you find that transition from going from being again a league mvp to someone who's then coaching a team and and doing a job so well that the rest of your peers said, no, this is the coach of the year because essentially we don't normally see that happen. It's very rare in the NBA that someone, you know, Magic Johnson is probably the only person that, or Larry Bird as well, win a league MVP and then go on coach. They don't tend to last that very long or have that, that success, whereas you are someone who four-time league MVP and then to come in and, and be, be a head coach and win a coach of the year. What was that sort of seeing it from both sides? What was that like?
3: You know what? I, I enjoyed it probably maybe even more than when I was playing as far as seeing the guys win and stuff. It was just a different way of just, you know, being involved with basketball. I really enjoyed the coaching part of it. But at the same time after two seasons I decided um <laughs> I had enough of it. So uh
2: Right.
3: <laughs> so I stopped after two years and uh, I mean one thing I gotta say though as far as the coach I understand coaches a lot better now where yeah as a player you just kinda of tend to show up your training. You can walk away from it and that's it into the next training or of the game. Same sort of thing, but coaching just stays with you for a lot longer as far as what goes on. So, um, so yeah, it was a lot of wear and tear as far as being a coach and you know, all the stuff you go through. But, uh, the joy was so much more. I felt as a coach, just being a coach and being a player. But, um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. Uh, those two years I was there coaching. Uh, then, as you know, your uh, father was an assistant coach one of the years. Uh, um, yes, he was, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Man was one of the coaches one of the years. And, um, I mean, I did similar when I was at Sterling, as far as, you know, being a player coach. I did that a the season okay. there, too. I only did one season over at Sterling and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. I kind of thought about it. I do, you know, once I did finish up that second year, that's when I did receive Coach of the Year. So you think at the Coach of the Year, you want to continue. I decided, you know, yeah. well, that's enough. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. no, no, like I say, I, I, I guess for me, having a family and stuff where I enjoy the time with the family and everything, and I know that takes away a lot from it. And especially if I'm going to coach, I really got to put a lot into it. Where, you know, it's a lot of work that needs to be done and a lot of training and different sort of things where you can't go about a half, half-hearted and stuff. So, so yeah, uh, I enjoyed those couple of years I was coaching at Williston and stuff. And, um recently, you know, I guess back to 2010 when our assistant coach, the Shane Apple and when DJ was playing for us, you know, mm-hmm. we won a championship. And again, after that season, the rest of the coaches continued. I thought, oh, that's enough again. So I pulled out of it again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, after two trips to Calgary and two trips to Geraldton, I could not believe that because of uh, our playoffs. During the playoffs, I send us yeah. to um, Calgary first, then Geraldton second. Those was our two that's playoff enough. teams before we made it all the way through. I don't think it's twice yeah. to go to Calgary and twice to Geraldton. So, um, <laughs> but no, I enjoy coaching. I enjoy coaching. Right now, I'm doing a lot of coaching with the kids at Willerton, which I really, really enjoy. I have my yep. you know, academy programs and stuff. But right now, I probably get, you know, I'm just enjoying coaching juniors and stuff, and um, particularly the kids that's not at the elite levels. I like to see the, the young ones try to make it up to that sort of level. So. I'll, Right now, I think I got to, you know, I'm busy just doing that. And I'm enjoying that. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, speaking of yeah, coaching uh, juniors,
0: if we go back 30 years when you did start coaching some junior players at Willerton, was there one player, and just remember who my co-host is, was there one player who huh. stood out in those, in those junior teams back then?
3: Let me see. You know, somebody kind of come to mind. Some kid about Ben, Ben, <laughs> <deadlift or something, laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a little tough old player, though. Yeah, you can, yeah, as you would know, he's not going to take a back step at nobody. So, no, nah, as far as physical players and that sort of stuff for a guard, no, nah, he's almost like well, you, well, don't have the, the speed of a Westbrook or nothing, but he's got that sort of nastiness about him where, yeah, he goes to the <laughs> basket. Yep. Yep. You're going to be ready to come yep, he, He's going to, if he misses, he's going out to his own rebound and put it back up. But, uh,
1: yeah, no, there's a nice little playoff. I, uh, I think, um, again, you say. You enjoyed coaching and I, I think I'm a much better coach than I, I was a player. And I, I sometimes look at guys today and, and go making a lot of the same mistakes that I used to make. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I can imagine, uh, my coaches sitting there, you know, pulling their hair out or shaking their head as to thinking, you know, what, what's this guy doing playing at a million miles an hour? But again, you only know one way sometimes and, and that's what you're going to do. So, but I did well, that's uh, a knowledge. I you, have that's
3: the knowledge we give from you know, from my age now. So we know these things now. So, uh, so yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, no, there were. Uh, I think we got a championship too in that year, eighteen one. So that was a uh, it was a very good year. So I do remember that 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 year very fondly.
0: What's life like being at the Williton Basketball Stadium when you first got there? I don't think the original building was even there. So you've seen that first building go up, and now, obviously, over the last twelve or or eighteen months, you've seen the redevelopment into this new building. What's it been like knowing that you've been there for all of that growth, and and Williton really is regarded as probably the greatest, greatest district or zone in basketball in WA. But you've been there for for, for all of it. It's it's remarkable.
3: No, no, you're right because but now Williton was the one that brought me by Gregor. Um yeah, able to know who Greg is. Greg was yes. coaching at the time when I returned. He wasn't there doing a tour. Uh, we had a different person that's the coach of training. But by the time I returned in 83, Greg was the coach. And yeah, you're right. Uh, I still remember those first couple of seasons where we used to train, you know, at Pearl Lake, uh, like on a Sunday morning. Uh, I think most people there like Sunday mornings training mm-hmm. and stuff. And you play your Friday night games and the game start at 6, 8, and 10 o'clock. You just hope that there's no overtime because the 10 o'clock game could mean <laughs> 10 30. And, um, and then you're playing. I remember seeing steam come from my head. off there because it's so cold in the place and you're running up and down the court. But um, but yeah, for those first couple of years of there and stuff, yeah, there was no Williston Stadium.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: then when I moved, on, moved over to, I guess it was Swan City Mustang, uh, that's where the Williston Stadium came up because I still recall going back to the Williston Stadium and thinking they didn't have that when I was there two years yeah, ago. For um but then I made my way back there and uh and now as you mentioned that uh now with the renovation and stuff where it's totally different now. You know, we eight courts now. So we have seen a lot over the time and uh yeah, I guess I have been there throughout, you know, most of it. But uh but, yeah, no, we're excited about the new stadium right now.
0: The thing I really like about this new stadium is that they've they've kept the old court, the old the old court that you would have so many memories of playing on and 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 watching games on, you know, over the last twenty thirty years. I'm really happy that that's still there. Obviously, you've got the brand new show court, but that old court, it, it's still actually there. You can actually still go and run on the floor, which which I was really happy about.
3: Yeah, well, what it is is that uh, no, you won't be able to run on the old court. The old court is pulled up, but uh, but we got a bar that's built okay. back from the old court. I got some of the wood here if you're looking for some. Uh I got some of the old court here <laughs> also. <laughs> but uh but yeah, all the courts have been replaced. Uh all the courts are the same like throughout the whole place. But so okay, we didn't keep okay. court one. We didn't keep it but uh but, but we're actually still there things. even if it's a different floor. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And uh and like okay. I say, um with one of the bars we have down below, the you um know, it's built through the old floor and stuff and there's a few things around the stadium which still shows where we kept, you know, the old floor. But, um, but yeah, yeah, no, I still, yeah, I still recall seeing it for the first time. The Dart Lords is in, you know, the Jarwood and everything. And yeah, I've had a lot of years run up and down there and just coaching and doing things on that court. But, um, but yeah, no, it's different right now, but it's, it's, it's a good difference. So yeah, we're very happy with what we have right now. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we do kind of miss our flow, but at the same time, we're very excited about what we do have.
0: Going back to when you were a player, some of your achievements are remarkable. And there's the four MVP awards and you know, you have a look at some of the seasons you had that that nineteen eighty-nine season, the first one, where it was officially the SBL and you you put up thirty-five point four points a game, ten point two rebounds, four point six steals, it's remarkable. And even over the course of your whole SBL career, unfortunately we don't have your district stats, but just your SBL career, you know, 25.2 points, 6.8 rebounds, and you shot the ball 56% from the field, 44% from three-point lands. Your achievements are remarkable. Was there times as a player where you would be out on the court and maybe it's that 46-point game, other big games, where you just felt unstoppable? Did you feel like that sometimes?
3: Yeah, I always felt like, uh, as far as, you know, offense and stuff, I was yeah, pretty confident in myself where... Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't have a problem to be honest with you as far as on the offensive side of things. I mean, honestly too often I still because one particular player a player by the name of Simon Parker. One, what? one thing I used to hear all the time was always telling me to shoot the ball where I mean I guess I was a pretty decent shooter and stuff, but um but yeah, I try to play more of the team game and stuff where even though as you can mention I did score a point. But, um, but, but, yeah, I just felt like as far as scoring, I didn't have much of a problem with that. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've seen some players that was hard to stop, uh, you know, stop the from scoring, but I never felt like, uh, as far as myself, where I feel like I can score most times because I think I had a fairly decent jump shot besides driving to the basket and as far, mm-hmm. as, far as jumped okay, jumped, um, decent also. So I feel my overall game was pretty good as far as offense, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I feel like I could probably score most times if I really mm-hmm. wanted to.
1: I think I think Jeff's as you can tell through this what we're talking. About, he's a very very humble man. And recollections of watching Jeff play, and then also being a teammate of of Jeff's, is that no matter who it in was that came in for the opposition, Jeff would basically match what they did. So as he said, you know, Snoopy Graham has 82. Yep. But Jeff just goes about his job and, and gets 46. And, then, and for anyone, that's you know phenomenal. I remember Chris Sandel comes in and drops 55. Oh gosh, remember Jeff Sandel? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, but Jeff has 38 going the other way. No one could stop him the other way. Booker Jones comes in and has 50. Jeff has 46 again. Like no matter who it was, and there was no trash talk. What I, the only thing that Jeff would do that you could tell he was getting a little bit mad would be hands on the hips and he'd cross his feet over. No, and okay. stand I there, it... all the time. <laughs> 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 And it was just that, and like I remember seeing that him coaching me and him playing with me, and that. But it, that would be you knew Jeff was locked in. The hands on the hip, and the the feet would cross over, and it was it was on. And so, there'd be times when uh, the, the as Previn, remember Prev Chandran? Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he contacted us, and we were talking about memories in the SBL, and he said, you know, one time you you were pushing the the floor sweeper, and the ball bounced That's over right. towards you, and you just picked picked it up, turned around, you shot. It one-handed and just like snap the net, and he's like, "That's it." There was never, you know, it, it wasn't a rattle, it wasn't a, a force. It was just the ball was just going through. It was so pure, it was. It was just, you know, that and that was Jeff. So he's been very humble at the moment. There was <laughs> there was no doubt that once the ball hit Jeff's hands, it was going to be a bucket. And yeah. I guess Simon Parker might have been right. A few more times shooting the ball would have been, uh, no, uh, would have been very good. I heard that so
3: often from that guy just always telling me to shoot, <laughs> shoot the ball, shoot the ball.
1: Well, because he, he he's was, the point guard and he knew he, that was a lot uh, no, of his He, was, was, he was the point guard and yeah,
3: <laughs> but uh, half of the time yes, you, you see my kids no telling me that he's not even on the court he's just screaming at me to shoot it. Just get there and be yeah. quiet.
0: <laughs> uh, what about life away from basketball? Going back 40 years there must have been something about living in Australia that you liked and how happy are you that you've been able to call this home ever since away,
3: nah, away nah, from I, the basketball? Nah, I never once complained and thought anything different as far as going back to America. I do miss family thought oh. questions. And, uh, um, nah, this is easily home being out, not Australia. And, uh, and as far as since basketball has finished, I've enjoyed my time and stuff. Um, like I say, I had a fairly decent career and stuff and I'm still involved with basketball, working for a great place over at Willitson Basketball Stadium. So, um, so like I said, I really can't complain working with kids, um, teaching basketball. Trying to learn to play a game of golf right now. So that's my new sport. Uh, so, uh-huh. you got, so you be careful if you're on the golf course. Because if you're in the world on the other fairway, I could be finding you.
2: So
3: I, so I tend to go to the next fairway quite often. So, um, okay. Uh-huh. But no, I've been enjoying life after basketball. that the basketball has been really good. So uh, so I yeah, got two other kids. You know, my kids now growing up. So I got yep. a little bit more free time now. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep the ball on the fairway instead of the other one. But uh, I'm slowly getting better with the golf game. So I'm working on that right now. It's pretty
0: remarkable as well that you met your wife your first week that you came out here and you've basically been together ever since.
3: Yep, yep. No, I think about the first five, six days uh, Yeah, we met and uh, ever since then we've been together and now over 37 years.
1: Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that family aspect. I one of the first trips away with the team was with the Tigers. We went down to Secret Harbour before it was anything, and there was okay. a little basketball court there. And I just remember Jeff being there, and and Audrey was there, and she was doing all the cooking for everyone. And it was just like <laughs> that's what she did. She was just Audrey was so essentially being everyone's mum, and Jeff was you know, the coach. But she she cooked and 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 did all that for us for the whole weekend. And that's something that I've sort of always held with me is that 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 was the team that you wanted to play for when you were. out around people like that that were Going above and beyond and, and all those sorts of things. So yeah, just a uh, r- very great. And I still remember that you know, very clearly. That that weekend we were away and it was all about basketball. But you yeah, had people there doing oh, yeah, those sorts of things
3: right. for you as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, no, I enjoyed it myself. And uh, and yeah, we done took a few little teams down there. They still got their little court down there, Speaker Harbor. And
2: uh, okay, haven't
3: been there since 2010 with the FBL team. But um, but yeah, that year okay. we took them down there also. And uh, no, it's good. Good team bonding yep. and stuff. So uh, I enjoyed it myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very much. Very very good. Uh, I'm very wary that we're we're taking a lot of your time, Jeff, and very appreciative of it. So my question that I have for you as far as life after basketball is that one of my – again, I I don't know whether I blame you for this or whether it was a good thing, but your shoe game was – on point, if I can use a term used by the kids today, like I think it was a different pair of sneakers every day, it's shoes that we hadn't seen before. Uh, has that been maintained? And, and oh no, 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 <laughs> The
3: basketball side of things is gone. <laughs> okay. But, uh Well, they're not basketball shoes, but I still try to make sure. Yeah, you know, I had, you know some decent shoes and stuff to wear, but they never basketball no longer. So last time I ran okay. up and down the court, I cannot recall, and that would become kind of interesting unless I'm actually you know physically it down the court. I can't remember this though, you know the new Bendex Center, Paralike, that yes. grand opening. DJ was uh, involved with Paralys at that particular time. So CJ was organizing X SBL, X NBL playoffs for that grand opening. Yes. You know, for the Paralyx Stadium. So That's I was right. one yeah. of the per- well, I was one of the guys that played. Now what happened to me, the reason I didn't play was that uh when he called me up, I thought, eh, I'll be interested in doing it. And um he told me the date and everything else. And I kind of thought, okay, uh, I haven't played basketball for a long time. I don't want to look embarrassed. I better start working out. So um, so um I thought I better start doing a little bit of running. Then I thought I better start shooting. So I went down to Herb Ground. And the first time I went down there, I pulled a handy playing with some guys. Oh,
2: no. And uh, so
3: I'm thinking, okay, I better leave it for a while because it's about four weeks away before the grand opening. Well, I left for a few <laughs> weeks, and then I thought, okay, we're a couple of weeks away, I better go back and try again. And I did the same thing again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh um, no. So
3: I had to call C D and said I can't play that game. But um, so whenever Parallax open, that's probably about the last time I tried playing. <laughs> that
0: would have been about <laughs> oh, well, 2009, uh,
3: 2010, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I was looking forward to it. I was going to go out there and play, you know, because they had all kind of players out there playing, and, uh, and I was yeah. looking forward to playing that game, but I uh, just couldn't make it, and I just realized, uh. I gave up on it where yeah, I try to, you know, I should probably just just left it for the game. And just play the game only. Don't try to get fit or nothing. But trying to get fit and stuff, that was too much for me. <laughs> but now I'm just walking down the golf course. I realize walking is what I have to do.
1: Perfect. Very good.
0: Well, Jeff, like like Ben said, you've been incredibly generous with your time and we've been looking forward to speaking to you for 12 weeks and it's it's been more, more than everything we could have hoped for. So thanks very much for giving us so much of your time. It's been, been a pleasure to speak to you. It's been a pleasure to take a walk back down memory lane and look back at what a remarkable life in basketball you've had and, and continue to still have today. So I know it's been a massive pleasure for, for Ben to catch up with you. It's a massive pleasure for me to speak to you for the first time and thanks very much for joining us.
3: Okay. Thanks you. Thanks both guys, Chris and Dan. Thanks, thanks very Jeff, much for having me. No problem whatsoever. No, Thank no. Thanks very
0: much, Jeff. Really appreciate okay, it. Okay, then. Okay, that was a hell of a lot of fun, Ben, speaking to Jeff Anderson. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. But we have to keep moving because we've got round three in the West Coast Classic to now look forward to. Now, we're going to have to make sure some of our tips are different here because we want to keep that race in our tipping competition close, Ben. Let's start on Friday night. We've got three games to look forward to. First up, at Belmont Oasis, the Perth Redbacks against the East Perth Eagles.
1: Oh, I'm not going to... I'll save the the cardiac kids for a bit later. So I'm going to go, I think the Redbacks will will bounce back given their their run of form, one good, one bad, one good, one bad sort of thing. So I'll go the Redbacks in this one.
0: Yeah, I think CJ was pretty fired up from what I hear after Saturday night. He didn't like at all what what he saw his side dish up. So I think they've had a pretty big week on the training track. So I think they're Redbacks as well. Now this one. Joondle up wolves calamanders and suns obviously you'll be tipping the suns but what do you what do you guys have to do how do you how do you go about trying to to beat this Joondle up team?
1: Without giving too much away, like we're as prepared as we can be individually, just given our knowledge of, of Lee Roberts and, and Lachlan Cummings. And then, you know, again, coaching these boys for, for so long, there's only, you don't want to give the guys too much information. Um, but they you know, they, they know, they know what these guys like to do. And again, for us, our, our defense has to improve. Our defense in the first three games has been horrendous. That, that's the bottom line. We've given up too many points. We're putting points on the board. We just haven't been able to stop anyone. So, you know, if we, if we can fight a little bit more and rebound a little bit better, then I'm, I'm sure we can turn this one into a, into a competition, you know, which is, which is what we're, we're trying to do. So improve our rebounding and improve our defence. So if, if this is the week we get it right, then I definitely think we've got enough firepower out there with, you know, Logan and, and Carl and, and uh, Ryan to, to sort of match the, the big three of the Wolves as well. Are tipping the Suns? Definitely. <laughs>
0: I'll go the Wolves. Now, this, this last one on Friday should be a beauty. Wills and Tigers at home to the Perilax
1: Hawks. Yeah, I'm going to go the Tigers in this one. I think Damien Scott is a real tough cover. Uh, Lewis Thomas and is, is will sort of you know not be left to his own, but uh, Ben Purser can't be everywhere, and Lewis Thomas is the sort of kid that could go out and get 20 rebounds in this one. And I think there might be a little bit too much shooting on the floor for the Hawks. Um, you know they, they are big, but uh, I think with the shooting that the and Tigers have got, this might prove to be a little bit too much given what I saw against Sterling and also against the Giants uh, the week mm. before. So I think the Hawks might struggle in this one.
0: Yeah, this is a toss of the coin for me. It should be really looking forward to it, but I might just lean towards perry lakes saturday night east perth eagles at home to the southwest
1: slammers uh, i'll jump on the eagles for this one
0: yeah me too let's just hope the slammers can travel a little bit better than they did last week perry lakes hawks at home to the Mandra magic Mandra starting to find some some form so this this might not be the walkover that you might have expected a week ago
1: yeah, and I think, again, uh, I'm going to jump on and have a look at this uh, Tom Atkinson as soon as we finish this. And yeah. But I do think the Perry Lakes Hawks probably a little bit too much experience there uh, in this one, so Hawks for me.
0: Now, this next one could be the best game that we've seen in the first three weeks of the West Coast Classic. I think it could very well be a grand final preview. Warwick Stadium, the Warwick Senators, and the Junaluk Wolves.
1: Yeah, they're going to be an absolute cracker. I think uh, the first six on both these teams are legit. Um, would yeah. be starting five players in, regardless of what season we were running. Maybe you know, if, uh, we don't know the status of uh, Corbin Rowe, but mm. you know, the, the little guy that got backing him up at the moment is doing a great job. But uh-huh. I think something about that, Sterling uh, Warwick Stadium, uh, the Dune Lock boys love playing in that one. So uh, I'm going to pick Dune up in this one.
0: I might go the Senators, I think, on their home floor. Coburn Cougars, Lakeside Lightning.
1: Well, I think I've got a bit of a scoop on this one. Uh, okay. Had had brunch uh, yesterday with Kyle Armour, um, discussing all play. things knee-related. Look, uh, he had a little twinkle in his eye, and I'm not yeah. sure whether it was his double-shot uh, piccolo that he was sipping on, <laughs> or it was the fact that he was just waiting on a doctor's phone call for an all-clear. But when I asked him, you know, essentially, how close are you to playing, he said, I'm at 98%. So uh, I know he's been getting through some some workouts, some one-on-ones and one on ones, and three on three sort of stuff. So I'm I'm going to predict that we might see Kyle Armour back in uh, the purple and white uh, very soon, if not uh, on Saturday night.
0: That'd be fantastic. I tell you what, we'll do we we'll do we'll do a deal if he plays on Saturday night. We'll have a chat to him on next next week's SBL shoot around. What do you think?
1: I did I did mention that. I said that that could be the clincher if you're back. Then we go, we'll get you on. So I think that might have sealed the deal for him as well.
0: Let's <laughs> do it. He, he's a fantastic fantastic person, more than above a, and beyond what he offers on a basketball court. So that, that would be fantastic news and a massive boost for Lakeside. That that could very well top them off to to be the championship favourites above up and the Senators, even if he, he's able to successfully come back. So yeah, fantastic news there. And it was a scoop, not not something I was. Expecting to hear. So fantastic. Now, next game Goldfields Giants rocking out Flames. This one, after the way the Giants played last week, this one's a little bit tricky to pick too.
1: Yeah, and this is almost like the the yin and yang. The Goldfields Giants have got that size and athleticism inside, which is something that the, the Flames don't really have. But no, on the flip don't. side, you know, Jackson Hussey, Book Godfrey, and Travis Dernan, um, and as, you, as you're as 2 one, two, three, that's going to be really hard. So, and they, they are good. You know, Hussey's a good rebounder, Book's a good rebounder, and dernan has got that size. So, yeah, look, it's going to go down to the wire. Where's this one being played?
0: Up in Kalgoorlie. I'm
1: going to go uh, the Twin Towers up in up in Kalgoorlie. Uh, that home court. Mm-hmm. Um, very tough up there Road trip Never easy um, So yeah I think uh, fresh legs For them up there Is going to put them In good stead
0: Yeah I, th- I think the Giants too Last up on Saturday night Perth Redbacks at home So you'd have to think Are pretty tired now Gerald and Buccaneers On their third straight road trip
1: Yeah Look the, the legs will be be Really feeling it But I think what we've seen Is you know Ralph Ralphie's is maybe Going to be uh, A little bit more fired up um, Carter He's Cook Might see a few more minutes uh, If Jesse Hunt Is down here Jesse Hunt should be back Yeah Yep, uh, and I know that he said he wasn't going to play road trips, but this is the sort of situation that Matt Wunderberg would relish being able to come back yeah. in and, and resurrect um, resurrect them. So, you know, sure. Matt Wunderberg versus Dennis Tarfidi, you'd almost pay uh, mm-hmm. on a pay-per-view to watch those two go <laughs> at each other. So, look, um, as much as I would love to pick the Bucks given their situation and, and the underdog status, without knowing their full strength, I'm going to have to go Redbacks on this one just because I'm so far behind you.
0: well I'm going to go the Redbacks too though so that doesn't help Um, last game of the round Sunday your Calamundries Eastern Suns against the Geraldton Buccaneers Um, tricky one I guess a lot depends on what happens earlier in the weekend so we just don't know
1: yeah, I think you know for us the benefit of playing Friday night and then then Sunday having that extra bit of rest uh, coming back from Kalgoorlie. I know it was a nightmare of a road trip coming back for the boys. Lost keys and people <laughs> having to go back to Kalgoorlie to to pick up buses and all that sort of stuff. And the, the boys to their credit got back and, and played D League at two o'clock that afternoon. So look, wow. you know, we're a bit weary as well, but that's never an excuse. And you would hope that we turn up on Sunday and play Eastern Suns basketball that we all know they can play. So and hopefully the night before goes to quite over time against the Redbacks and the Bucks are uh, are on there, you know, dragging their tails as they walk in. So I'll, I'll pick the the Suns in this one. Tough one for me.
0: Like I said last week, you don't see the Bucks go zero and two on too many road trips, but. You wouldn't, I wouldn't want to come back onto this show next weekend and the Suns are zero and five either. So, this is a tricky one. Um, just because of the fact that I have to do this show with you, I might go for Calamunda. <laughs> oh, good luck, mate. Appreciate
1: that. <laughs>
0: okay. it been, been another great show. It's been a lot of fun bringing this to you. Thanks again to Jeff Anderson for joining us. There's been so much to talk about with the West Coast Classic and everything to go along with that, That it's been a another jam packed show. I've had a lot of fun bringing it to you. Hopefully, you've all enjoyed listening to it. So, I'll wrap it up for another week. I'm Chris Pike and I'll leave you with Ben Ettridge, the legendary coach of WA basketball with some wise words.
1: Oh, you're too kind Chris and look again been speaking to a lot of people around the place and one of the things that's coming through especially for me is just the the fact that we're getting to see so many kids um, get out there and play the game and it's really really putting our league uh, on the map. Um, hopefully these guys still continue to get those opportunities in, in the next couple of years because um, we're seeing some some great results and on the flip side we're, what we're actually seeing in the league is a bit of a shift. We're seeing in the past, you know, the, the, the lower teams, the teams that were finishing out of the playoffs, they were really struggling to get quality coaches. And, and what we're seeing now is the likes of Mark Worthington, Aaron Traher, uh, Mark Utley, really taking the challenge and, and taking on these teams, which is improving our league. And, you know, the, the results uh, might not be first and foremost at the moment. But um, definitely if these clubs can stick with these guys who are, who are doing an amazing job with these, these teams that really need that quality coaching, we're going to see some great results. So, you know, these guys that might not be getting the wins at the moment, um, the wins will come and, and our league's going to be much better for it. So much credit to those guys that have taken on these, these tougher jobs uh, in our league to try and make the players and, and the clubs better.